I'm glad you're here today because uh, I think I shared on Facebook this morning that Paul gets to this point where he is praying for the church at Ephesus. He's already done it once in chapter 1. In fact, I'll throw that up on the screen here real quick. Uh, But in chapter 1, there it is. He says this, This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I don't have it in my notes, so I'm reading the screen. I'm following you, Danny. (laughs) I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable measurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. Far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is the body of the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. That whole prayer was about being enlightened, that the church could be enlightened about the knowledge and the, just the riches and the glory of God, that you know about it. So now he, he gets to the whole mystery of the Jews and the Gentiles mixing together and becoming one faith. That's what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. But now he goes into this second prayer. In this second prayer, he moves from enlightenment to like, how do you take what you know and use it in everyday life? That is what his prayer is. And honestly, that's my prayer for you. Constantly. That not only will God reveal his word to you, but that you would know how to appropriate that in everyday life. That's the hard part. Like, I can hear God, and I can believe it, but the hard part for me is trusting it. You know what I'm saying? It's it's trusting. It's, I, yeah, I'm a kind of a Star Wars fan, and uh, I think about, you know, the Force, the force, they have the force, and always uh, learning about the force and developing the force. And I, I honestly think it's the same, same thing here, is that you have this incredible force inside of us. And now we're learning to utilize it on a daily basis. And if you, you first have to know that you have it, which I'm s- sad to say, I don't know if the church knows that. I don't know if they know what they have. But once you know it, then you begin to practice it, live it out. It becomes stronger and stronger, and the trust and the faith as you walk. Uh, I'm old, but I hope to be older. And as I get older, I hope that 
I'm still learning about that force, about that spirit inside of me that it doesn't just stop here, but I continue to grow. This is his prayer. It starts in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. There is no protocol for our posture in prayer in the Scriptures. Abraham and Solomon stood before the Lord. It says David sat before the Lord. It says Jesus fell on his face in the garden before the Lord. There is no one way to pray. I mean, we grew up, I grew up at First Baptist Tulsa, and it was always bow your head, close your eyes. Sometimes it was even fold your hands, you know, that whole type thing. That's not scriptural at all. You know, uh, I, I enjoy praying, and I, I pray quite a bit, I think, uh, as compared to what I used to, because I have a different concept of what prayer is now. Prayer is just talking. So literally, I can be sitting at Sunrise Cafe with somebody across from me, and I don't have to ask them, can I pray for you? I just... I just go into it, and I'm like looking them right in the eye and praying for them. I mean, uh, I think it's more comfortable for them that way. Like if I'm sitting there, like bowing my head, and everybody's like looking at me, and they're going, oh, they're uncomfortable with it. But me just having a conversation with God while I'm looking at them, I love doing that. I love having conversation with God on a daily basis. So there, there, there's no protocol. Honestly, uh, as I get older, <clears throat> I'm realizing that uh, it's probably a more posture of the heart. Uh, I've learned not to be judgmental about people based upon the things that they do, but based upon their heart. And I try to know their heart. And because I know the heart, I'm able to show a little bit more grace. That's what our world doesn't do. They just look at the results and they judge based upon that. It's, it's hard, it's hard to just put a general rule over the whole crowd because everybody's heart's different. He says, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, there's two, two terms here that we can look at when he says the Father. One is the Creator. Who created you? God the Father created you. In fact, he created everybody. And so he's looking at a point of creation in this, from creation that like every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, if you're talking about the Father being a Savior, then really it only refers to those who believe in Jesus. And he's just come out of this whole paragraph talking about the Jews and the Gentiles being of one faith and being of one family and having one Father. But here, I'm pretty sure that he's talking about the Creator from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Verse 16, he says, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory. 
he goes into like four things right here. He, he, get, he gets ready to pray four things for the church at Ephesus. The first one is to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. What he's saying here is it still goes back to knowing what you have and then trusting for it to work. That's a big thing, knowing what you have, but then trusting it. The whole force thing, the kids are all into like Marvel and everything else, and the two new ones out are like Miss Marvel and She-Hulk. All right all of a sudden they become superheroes, right? But they don't know how to use their power. They don't. And so like the first two episodes is them becoming this superhero and then showing how they get their power and use their power and learn their power. It's the same way for us. But here's the difference. I'm used to doing everything in my own strength. But really what it says, be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. His spirit. It's his spirit that is the one that empowers me. It's his spirit that one that does things through me. It's his spirit that allows me to even trust him. So the question that you would probably get then is, so how do you let the spirit work through you? How, 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 what does that look like? Someone, someone said, if God took the Holy Spirit out of this world, most of what we Christians are doing would go right on and nobody would know the difference. That's sad, but that's, that's true. That's true. Can you tell the difference in those who are believers because the Spirit's working through them, or is everybody just doing everything in their own strength? But let me focus back on the first part. I pray that he may grant you according to his riches. Think about what God's riches are right now. Just think about it for a second. You're not even close. You're not even close. And it doesn't say that he gives from his riches. If you have a billion dollars and you give of your riches from your riches, you know, maybe $100, that'd be a big deal to some of you in the room here, but if you give according to your riches, a million dollars, because that's a whole lot more, and it's a portion. You see the difference? He says he gives according to his riches. Not what I think is rich, but are Actually, what is his? Now, that's crazy to think about. It's not a portion, but a proportion. Second Corinthians 4 says this, verse 16. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is, e- is eternal. It's only when we yield to the Holy Spirit and let him control the inner man that we succeed 
in living to the glory of God. We have to let the Spirit direct our inner being. I say that I want to measure a person's heart. It's hard for me to see that. I only see the byproduct of that. I only see the fruit of that. That's what we see on the outside. And it's just like Ryan said about Scott. It's like, I'm not so concerned about your behavior as much as who I am about who you are, knowing Scott's heart. And then he says in verse 17, the second thing that he's praying for him, and that may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. Dwell actually means to like settle down and to feel at home. When we get to youth camp in Wisconsin, one of the first things I think everybody does is they nest. Like, they get their stuff, they get their bed, they get their corner, and they unpack everything, and they get everything set up to say, I'm here for the week to see what God's going to do. Like, they are settling in. Now, it's not the permanent place, but it's permanent for a week. Permanent for a week, and, and he's literally saying that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You're settling into a relationship. It's not a surface relationship. It's a deep relationship. That would be hard to do if it was just God alone. You know what I'm saying? If you go back to the old covenant, God was this guy that was either in the clouds, the smoke, the burning bush, or this being that was up in the sky, right? That would be hard to worship that and to dwell in that. But the fact that God has come and has chosen to dwell inside of you, that changes everything. The, ball, the whole ball game is different than the old covenant. I mean, you have the living God. You have this super pa- superpower, this supernatural being living inside of you. It, get this, it's super and it's natural. It's natural for you. It has replaced your old nature. It is your new nature. You have this super nature. And he says, it's through faith. Again, it comes back to believing and trusting. You've done that this morning. You walked in here, and you believed in that chair that you're sitting in. And now you're trusting it. You guys, it's that simple. That's all he's saying. He's like, if you can have the faith in God that he's going to do amazing things through you, that not only do you believe, but you trust. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, and then he gets to the third thing that he's praying for him, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width height and depth of God's love. When he says rooted or grounded there, he's really talking about an architectural term. And it's referring to this foundation that we build upon, that you're rooted in Christ Jesus, in God's love. You build these footers 
as your foundation and you build off of those footers. The deeper your foundation in Christ is, the stronger you will be able to stand in any storm that comes your way. That's, that's important. To build a strong foundation. You, you know, Phil, the other day you said we were talking about God's timeline and I had that piece of tape that went across and you said that, no, it's more than just a, a line. It's, it's not only that way, but it's this way. It's more like a plane. Well, Scripture says it's even more than a plane right here. It has height and depth to it. It's even greater than what we can imagine. Now, I know where you guys have been this week. And uh, $240 billion was spent on debt relief. That's politics. And then in my bank account... I got $400 from the state this week. That's politics. That is just a drop of God's riches. And if you want to bellyache about that stuff, you're forgetting where everything you have came from. Everything that you have, what it came, where it came from. I'm not talking politics. It's not about that. I don't care right or left. I don't care about that stuff. But what I'm focused about is what I've got. I can complain all day about my money and where it goes, but it's the principle of the thing. No, the bigger picture is that it's not mine in the first place. I haven't missed a meal yet, as you can tell. He's saying stay focused on the inner man, and the outer man will be provided for out of God's riches. I would much rather be provided for out of God's riches than anything else. And then he says this, I go back, I pray that you being read firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. I would like to hear when he says, with all the saints what you would describe as God's height and depth and length. I'd like to hear from you. What is it? Yeah, Jeff's saying that uh, he thinks about the, the Niagara Falls and just the power of it and everything else. I think it was Michelle's dad or somebody was talking to me this week about just recently seeing Niagara Falls and just how it never stops just never stops. It's just, where, where is all this water coming from? And just the power of it, and to be able to like get down there in the middle of it and just get soaked and wet. Has anybody ever done that? Like you've gone behind the falls and you've gone down the May of the Mist and you've ridden those. I, I'm telling you, that is your imagination of, a, of it, Jeff, but it's greater than that. Anybody else? Yeah, man. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, there are three siblings at my school. There's two kindergartners and first grader. And every time I see them in the hallway, no matter how many times I've seen them that day, they always come with the biggest hugs. It's like they're, it's like we never saw each other. But every single time, there's just that like precious, innocent love 
that comes back and never stops. You know, the beauty of that is that she recognizes what it is. I mean, the kids come, and the, but, but the fact that Maddie can recognize that this is a symbol of God's love is a huge deal. And, that, and that's probably what Paul's praying is, not only can you see this, not only can you see that it's happening around you, but it's the real thing. Verse 19, he says this. He says the fourth thing that he's praying for them. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. <laughs> hey, knowledge is good, but it's not greater than love. Not, knowledge can lead to being puffed up, as the scripture says, and that puffed up sometimes it's about you. That's what knowledge can do. Knowledge is good, but it is absolutely worthless without love. Oh, what if you had the Bible? What if you had this book and you had it memorized and you knew it so well, but you never had love? You'd be a walking encyclopedia. Just, you'd just be a book. But what if you loved and had no knowledge? That's doable. That's doable. But what if you knew you had the love of God walking with you every day? That's the issue. That's the problem the church can't see. I pray, I pray all the time that you can see that. The living God is walking with you. He gives you knowledge. He gives you faith. He gives you the ability to do things on a daily basis. He gives you faith. He gives you trust. He does all that. If it's dependent upon you doing, well, we saw that all throughout the Old Covenant. You can do it for a while. Yeah, you can do it for a season. You can do it for years. But eventually, crisis is going to come along, which honestly is why I would say the majority of you are in here. Because you, you, I played the religious game for years, and crisis came to my front door. And I said, is this real? Fortunately, I had friends around me that were telling me, a different perspective about this scripture. And that is now where I sit and come up here every day and speak to you about. That different perspective. Having God, the knowledge of God, and the ability to love. Last two verses, he says, Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Our faith walk, our faith walk is just a portion of God's riches. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I, I want to experience more. I, I have the ability to experience more as I grow in my faith. There is a lot of time and a lot of energy 
a lot of money and life being poured out in our house for a one-day wedding. (laughs) The question keeps coming up in our house, how do we get it all done in 90 days? That one day is a drop in God's limitless riches. Sam and Chloe's marriage and family will be above and beyond that wedding day. I pray that she sees that. Yeah, the stress of it all and her perfectionism and everything else is coming into play, but that one day, (laughs) you guys know, it's a significant day, but there's life after that. There's marriage after that. And if it's according to the power of God, hang on. Not a portion, but a proportion of God's riches. I want my kids to experience a proportion of God's riches. He'll do it. I trust him he'll do it. Verse 21, it says... To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. Where's the glory? It's the question of the day. Where's the glory? He says, to him be glory in the church. That same glory that was in the burning bush, that same glory that was in the tabernacle as they moved it around day and night disappeared that same glory that was in a baby in swaddling clothes in a manger is now in the church that's you holy cow he says to him be glory in the church and in christ jesus to all generations the glory is in jesus and jesus is me is in me and I am in Jesus. You guys, it's, it's about Jesus all the time. It's always, always about Jesus. Always, always, only Jesus. Close your eyes for a second. And just listen. Lord, if uh, there's any one thing that comes from this stage, let it always only be Jesus. Let it always be about you. It's not about love, nor it's not about me. It's not about anything that's going on here but you. And so I pray that uh, we can realize what we've been given, we can enjoy what we've been given, and we can just live according to the riches of your glory. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here today with us. We'll get into Ephesians chapter 4 next week. Uh, A couple things, uh, just actually one thing. Holiday World is coming up. I've got about 85 people that are going right now, uh, so we're getting close to our limit. Uh, 